And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, and it's Monday, the best day of the week. That's because Ari Wasserman is with me, and we have a lot to talk about. Max Olson and I broke down the the 12-team playoff proposal that, look, there's going to be a 12-team playoff. Let's, let's be honest. They don't tell us these things publicly. They don't put out press releases unless they're sure it's going to happen. So Ari, we got to talk about the 12-team playoff. You have already thrown cold water on the teams that are expecting for this to be a recruiting boon because now they have a chance to make the playoff and maybe the best recruits won't all go to Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson. Yeah. You've already you've already dashed those people's hopes. I appreciate that. You're you are nothing if not consistent. Yeah, I'm not trying to hurt people's feelings, but if you think that all of a sudden yes, you are. your team's going to go to the playoff one time and then you're going to be a perennial national championship contender, I just want people to understand that that's not how it works. <laughs> um, I do think that there are, is a potential now that more people and more teams and more programs are going to be involved that it might be a little bit more. Uh, widespread. I think a few more top hundred players might go to places that they wouldn't have otherwise gone. Um, and you know, this isn't probably going to be the point of the show, but the entire idea of why prospects go to college, like where would you put winning a national championship on that list? Like five. I don't know that I'd put it that low, but the, the thing is number one is so far above everything else that it's paramount it almost doesn't matter what the other ones are. And number one, of course, is how can you get me ready for the NFL? Um, I have a story on The Athletic today about, and it's interesting, I'll, I'll, I'll take you guys behind the curtain a little bit about how this was going to work. We were going to have a series this week, and we still are, that we've been planning for months about just how top-heavy the sport has gotten and how boring that has made college football, where you, you know who's going to make the playoff, essentially. You know who's going to compete for the national title. You know who's going to get the best recruits. And it's made the sport more boring when it is one of the quirkiest, most interesting sports in the country. And our whole goal was, how do you fix this? How do you figure out what to do about it? One of the stories I was going to write was kind of setting up the possibility of the 12-team playoff because you know Stuart Mandel and I wrote in April that that was probably going to happen. And we were going to look really smart when the, the playoff committee decided, hey, we're going to make a 12-team playoff. Well, they let the cat out of the bag last week, and they gave us a press release. So we don't, we don't look that smart anymore, but we're still going to try to explain to you what this all means and how it could help theoretically uh, or how it might not. And you know that's one thing Ari and I are, are getting into because Ari's doing another story on, on the recruiting aspect of things. And... So the story I have out on Monday, I talked to Pat Kraft, who's the, the AD at Boston College, and he made the point of, listen, I have Jeff Halfley as my head coach. He's got NFL experience. He can sell that to recruits saying, I can get you ready for the NFL. We can point to Matt Ryan. We can point to Luke Keekley. We can point to BJ Raji and Goster Sherless and say, we can produce first rounders here. 
the only thing they can't do, he said, is show them a banner where they've made the playoff. And look, are you going to beat Clemson when Clemson's in your division a lot? Probably not. Not right now. But if you have a chance to make the playoff, if you can have that banner hanging in your facility that you made the playoff one or two years, does that make a difference? And I don't know if it does or not, but if you can prove you can make first rounders and maybe make the playoff there, maybe that gives them a better shot with somebody. Yeah, what this does is it removes the roadblock in the Power Five conferences of the mega team waiting for you at the end of the road. Like if you're in the Big Ten, you know that you have to beat Ohio State one way or the other to get in. And for a lot of these programs, that's not possible, right? And I think the roadblock in the SEC, there was multiple ones, but you have to get through Alabama. And there's a lot of middle tier to close to upper tier programs in those conferences that you know, might be a top 12 team, but can't beat the one boss at the end. And yeah. the ACC's is Clemson, right? The only one that doesn't really have a major one, but it seems to be building right now is the Pac-12. And, and that that team that conference hasn't gotten in because they, as a whole, can't collectively be one of the top four teams in the country. So now if you put yourself in a position where, you know, you have teams that are 11 and one or 10 and two that are being considered for these spots, it makes it realistic. Like last year, Texas A&M had one of the best years in program history and they don't have a banner. And it would have been cool to see them play again uh, in a setting that puts them in a position to potentially win a national championship. Now I'm, I'm firmly believe, you know, as the recruiting rankings indicate right now and the way that these rosters are built that for the most part, if you go through the seven years of the playoff that have already happened, the final four would probably be the same in six of those, of those ones. And the yeah, one that I think I, I would I change think this change who wins the national title. Most of the time though, there is a, there's something we'll talk about a little bit later that, where I think it might yeah. affect it. But for the most part, yeah, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, those those types of teams, those rosters, those are the ones that are going to win national titles. And you're also, for all the the love and excitement that there is for an expanded playoff that you know gives new teams a chance, you also have to take into account that it gives the really good teams a second chance. So yes. like in the in the weird years that, you know, like the 2015 Ohio State team that lost to Michigan State at home, you put that team in the playoff and they have a chance to win it all. Or if you put but, a but team like Alabama is, that, that that misses it and has Ohio one loss State or two. team. Yeah. yeah. But that 2015 Ohio State team could have beaten 2015 Alabama or 2015 Clemson. That's I, what yeah, makes for this, sure. this fun. But, but the thing about that is, is that there's a certain level of having to be great during the regular season, which that team wasn't. Mm -hmm. And if you think that getting these teams in that people love to watch lose and miss out on a national championship, you give those teams a second chance to be playing in November, December, uh, you know, January, and those teams can potentially win a national championship. So that could also change things. But also too, it's like, I think that this is great because I would say that Texas A&M earned a spot in the national championship discussion last year, even though they lost to Alabama by a lot. Everybody lost to Alabama a lot at the time that they made the, the four team playoff. They didn't deserve to get in based on everybody else that was available, but total body of work was enough in every other sport on the face of the planet to at least play in a playoff situation to win one. So like seeing Iowa state in there, you know, these teams earned it by playing above what they were supposed to do. And, ran into the the brick wall of their conference and weren't able to get in. So 
you know, the fact that these teams are in a position now to to do that is really exciting. And I think that the two biggest winners right now uh, for this are the group of five teams because they finally have a, at least a chance. And I think it's entertaining to to include them. But really, the, the, the biggest winners here, I think, are the second tier teams, the teams that are in between the number eight spot and the number 20 spot, the ones that are really good. The games that those those monsters like Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson have to circle on their schedule because those are the toughest regular season games they have, but also are still a full step or two behind being great. Those are like the we're, Penn we're States about, of the world. Penn State. We're talking about Texas A&M. We're talking about you know current modern-day Florida who is knocking on the door. Like last year's Florida team would have been awesome to watch in the playoff. In fact, they're the team that gave Alabama the best run for their money last year outside of Ole Miss. Um, we're talking about the Oregons and the USC's, the teams that we dismiss as one of the top four that have a chance to do it. It's just like I don't know that the teams that are completely out of the race right now are the ones – uh, that are going to benefit the most. But the thing that this does is when like a team like Boston college, to use your example, has a, has yeah. an awesome year or a team like Washington yeah, they, state, for instance, these teams actually have right. a chance to make it like once every 10 years now, rather than never. So I, I think it'll be fun to watch, um, you know, Washington state play Alabama during a year where things are running well. And Mike Leach is the, the head coach. You, the styles are different. The geography is different. It's a matchup that you would never see. Otherwise, I think it'll be well, fun. Well, you're I do think see Mike Leach play Alabama a lot now. So that, yeah. that and you know what I mean? Nick but like Rolovich back in the played, old time. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Back in the old days when they were in different, like watching Washington state at its height under Mike Leach play Alabama would have been a very foreign, exciting. What is this going to look like type game? Now I think oh, yeah. that, 85 to 90 percent of these games that we're getting though entertaining on paper are still going to be blowouts um, it'll be interesting to see if these teams that are, are super teams are equipped to blow out teams five weeks in a row now including well, you, conference championship games but those, you're, you're talking about the semis I, I don't i don't think eight nines are going to be blowouts i don't think seven tens are going to be blowouts I, right i'm not i'm not even sure about five twelves because the distance between one and four I think in most years is greater than the distance between five and 12. I think that's, a, I think that's right. Right. So I think, I think there are going to be more entertaining games at the bottom of the bracket, which you're saying, Oh, but those teams don't deserve a chance to play for the national. Stop looking at it that way and start looking at it. Let's, let's just use the Russell Crowe question. Are you not entertained? That's the whole point. Were you entertained by the Cotton Bowl last year? If you were not entertained by the Cotton Bowl, and most people weren't, unless you were an Oklahoma fan, then you're going to like this better because those two teams would have been playing games that had stakes. If you go back and you look at the the projected playoffs for 2020, because that's the year that's freshest in our minds, Cincinnati, Georgia, Notre Dame, Coastal. At Nippert, by the way. Yeah. Florida, Iowa State. Texas A&M and Indiana, everybody watches all those games. Yeah. Well, and, and like Iowa State, think about how hyped they're, they're going to be for that game. They're going to Gainesville, and, and Florida's pumped because they haven't been in the hunt for this in a long time. So one of those two teams is going to advance and play some superpower. Whoever right? advances That's, in that game makes history in the – or in the, yeah. in the like one makes history for the program and one is back on – like that is super entertaining. Exactly. Now, I did the the numbers for 
every year since 2014 because I didn't want to go back with BCS rankings because it's it's not exactly apples to apples. But assuming that the CFP selection committee rankings are going to work the same way, and it sounds like they're going to be fairly similar, it would have been really interesting if you look at the you know how many different teams would have made the playoffs. So. 11 teams have made the playoff. 11 different programs have made the playoff in the four-team format. 39 teams would have made the playoff in the 12-team format. 39 different programs. Um, And yes, the usual suspects would have been there. Ohio State would have made it every year. They would have been the only one that made it every year. Alabama and Clemson would have made it six times. Oklahoma would have made it six times. But then, okay, let's get down the list. Penn State would have made it four times. Penn State has made it zero times. Georgia would have made it four times. Georgia has made it one time. Florida State would have made it three times. They've made it one time. Washington would have made it three times. They've made it one time. Wisconsin would have made it three times. They've made it zero times. Florida would have made it three times. They've made it zero times. That's exciting for those programs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's two ways to look at it, Andy. Like one is... The exclusivity of college football is what makes it amazing. You know, I think that if you actually get to a point where you break through and win a national championship, it's something that is truly remarkable. Um, but opening the doors for other teams to celebrate something, I think, is good. Yes, and and here's the the other part of it. This is still the most exclusive tournament in sports. Yeah. It just makes like even even if you go so if you go 130 teams 130 FBS teams which I think you can go out that far because you've made it fairly inclusive with the the six highest ranked conference champs instead of automatic bids for the Power Five champs if you do that it, it you know well let's see I've got my calculator right here 12 divided by 130 that's a uh, 9.2 percent but even if you said well this is really an invitational still. And, and it's the 65 Power 5 teams in Notre Dame plus, you know, like five others that have a chance. So let's, let's, do, let's do 12 divided by 70. That's still 17%. That's still less than, less than the NBA playoffs, less than the NFL playoffs, you know, less, I, I believe it's less than Major League Baseball still. Um, I believe it's less than the NCAA basketball tournament. So uh, that one's... Yeah, the NCAA basketball tournament's around 19%. So I, that's that's still the most exclusive tournament. Yeah, and you you made this point to me on the phone uh, before we did this, but I, I guess this will be a good thing to say, too. Um, think about how much easier, and I don't know if easy is the right word, but how much more doable the path to a national championship was during the BCS era. You know, you win all. You have to win all your games. You have to be perfect, but you don't yeah, just don't lose. But you could schedule your way toward that too. Yeah, and you also, in some cases, didn't have conference championship games. Um, and sometimes, depending on how your conference is set up, you don't even play all the best teams in your conference. You go undefeated, and you're one or two at the end. You win one game, you're a national champion. And it's like now, when you think about what you have to do in the modern certain or the way it's going right now. You have to go undefeated or lose only one game. You have to win a conference championship game against a really good team that um, can beat you in some <laughs> if you're, cases. If you're or Alabama don't. in seventeen, yeah. Um, but 
you know, still have to put yourself in that position most of the time. And then you have to win a game against another elite level program in the four. And then you have to win another game against the team that won the other one. That's so much harder than the BCS. Now you put yourself in a position where Alabama has to play Georgia potentially again, you know, and that's just regardless of whether or not Alabama handled them last year, it's still a tough game to have to play and beating the same team twice is hard. Um, well, and then remember, remember Alabama was losing to Georgia when Georgia started Stetson Bennett right at quarterback at halftime, Alabama was losing to Georgia. And so, you know, and have JT to do it Daniels again. Is yeah. Playing quarterback. Yeah. 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 And then that is the entry for Alabama after winning a conference championship to go play in the regular. Once you get it to four, that would be, that would be a really tough path for them. And I think most of the time that they would continue to do what they're doing, but I do wonder too, and I guess this could be an Andy Staples theory, but the wear down effect of like what Alabama is by the time they make the national championship game, if they have to, I mean, if you add another Georgia game on top of their, their schedule already, that's a lot to win. It's, and that, it's that's hard. A, the margin of be, error is hard. Yeah. It, it, there will be teams that sneak through in this format just because it's hard to beat that many really good teams in a row. You can be the biggest superpower in the world, whether you're Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, whoever. It's hard if you have to deal with somebody who's slightly less good than you a couple times in a row because you have to be almost perfect. And right. it's that that's what's going to make this fun is is when they're not perfect. You know, when they struggle in a, against a team that they probably should beat. That doesn't happen very often with these teams, but we could see it. And that's when things get really dramatic. So, and, and then the other piece of this, Ari, there will be interesting games. I think Stuart Mandel put it really well. There will not be those earth shattering moments in the regular season anymore. Like the kick, well, and the kick six is an interesting one because the kick six would have been. Some of the the weight of the kick six would have been nullified by the four team playoff because 2013 Alabama would have made a four team playoff, so they were knocked out of the national title game by the or knocked out of the BCS title game because they were knocked out of the SEC title game by the kick six. But they would not not have been knocked out of the four team playoff, and they certainly wouldn't have been knocked out of the twelve team playoff. But do you know Ari, which Iron Bowl would have meant more under the twelve team? Which one? 2019. We look at that. That was a crazy game. It was a, if you watch the 2019 Iron Bowl, you're like, that was a super fun game to watch, unless you're an Alabama fan. But it was it was back and forth. It was nuts. And it turned on two pick sixes, including like a hundred yard pick six. And is Matt Jones' worst game as Alabama starting quarterback. He had just taken over because Tua had been been hurt. Uh he actually played a great game other than those two interceptions. And it was a fantastic game and it would have knocked Alabama out of the 12 team playoff. So it would have had huge stakes. And we were talking about this before we started recording, you know, you, you, you said it was hard to remember which games would have had stakes because once, once teams are out of it, you just don't care. But there's some games that would have been wild going into the game from, from a stakes standpoint. You don't remember the games that um, don't have playoff implications you remember the games being played and you remember the results, but you don't remember the implications that they would have had in a new world um, yeah. had, you know, that world existed. And when you go back and you just like look at just the, the 
potential playoffs from previous years, you are really, really, really reminded of how much better games in the late season might be. And, you know, I, I don't know that I agree 100% that the regular season is going to be cheapened because you still have to be a uh, a 10 and 2 or an 11 and 1 team in the most part. It's like, I don't know how many of those middle tier programs can make it to the 12 team playoff if they lose three times or, or well, two it, times. Yeah, it's but, like Penn but State. The Iowa State. Iowa State beating Ohio State in 2017. No, Iowa State. Iowa beating Ohio State in 2017 does not have the the reverberations around the country right that it had when it happened which which kind of you know is a drawback of this but it's like there's no such thing as a perfect world and it's just do you want to remove the luster of the 2017 Iowa Ohio State game in order to not see uh what would you have seen at the end of that year um the the games that you would have gotten to see at the end of 2017 if if this current you know situation existed what you would have seen Miami Auburn you would have gotten to see that UCF team play Alabama you would have gotten to see I, I would, USC I mean, that that would have been worth the price of admission USC Alabama in, in in the first round in Tuscaloosa would have been amazing UCF in 2017 when UCF was that the year they claimed the national championship Yes, UCF would have had to go to Tuscaloosa in round one because Alabama did not win the SEC. Tell me who's not watching that. And it's just like, would you would you give up the the excitement of the upset of Ohio State against Iowa in order to sacrifice that excitement that weekend to get the UCF excitement? Yes, I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, there's some other games I went back and looked. So the the 2018 Apple Cup. That was for the Pac-12 North title. It was in the snow in Pullman. It already had stakes. But this would have been for a playoff berth because Washington and Washington State were right there, both hanging around the 12, the 12 area. And 2015, even better example, number 11 TCU, number 12 Baylor on the last day of the regular season, neither one had a conference championship game at that point. And, and let's say that, you know, in this case, neither one's playing in the big 12 championship game. That would have been wild. It was a double overtime game. That would have been for a spot in the playoff, double overtime spot in the playoff on the line. This is insanity. I'm you know, I don't know if it's just uh, me, but it's still kind of just landing that this, this is happening. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
what's your take on this? Because part of college football has always been the debate, right? And I think we talked about this uh, a few months ago when we did a, a story breaking down all types of potential formats. And I think 12 is probably uh, one step further than maybe we both anticipated a little bit ago that they would get to. But, you know, the idea that there's just too much. Like, do you think that this is the right number? Are you going to go Jim Delaney on us and say it's possible to have too much ice cream? I'm not sure it's possible to have too much I think it's cream. possible to have too no. much ice cream. Have you ever gotten a Dairy Queen no, Blizzard? I, I can't get to the end of those things. What's wrong with you? It's too we, we get, I could eat an entire extra large. Again, get, the, get the furnace stoked so you can take down a blizzard. No, I know. The, uh, the um, thing with sweets with me is that I, I get tired of them. Um, I could eat an entire extra large pizza, 12, 12 wings, breadsticks, and, you know, slam some, you know, Oreos at the end of all that. But when I get a blizzard, if it's like after like the 10th bite, I'm like, I've, I've had enough of this. I'll take the rest of your blizzard. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, is it, is, is it too much? I think, I think it is possible to have too much. I, 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 I remember going through some of the 16 scenarios, the, the, the 16 team playoff scenarios. I didn't, it, I didn't like a lot of the matchups. I didn't. I didn't. I, it didn't kind of excite me the way a, a smaller field did. The thing that that sets this one apart, and I, I really do hope they come to their senses and put the quarterfinals on campus because the the top four seeds need to be rewarded with a home game. They just do. Um, but the three different tiers of team. There's a team that has a bye. There's a team that gets a home game, and there's the tier of teams that has to go on the road. Like that adds more layers of intrigue to it. And you reward the top seeds with an easier path, like the way you're supposed to. Exactly. Like, okay, here's, here's a, an example. And this could happen. You know, Ohio state wins the big 10 and they said, Oh, you, you get sent to your traditional bowl game. Well, what does that mean to Ohio state wins the big 10 and they send them to the Rose bowl where they might be playing USC or they might be playing Texas. Or they might, how how is that an advantage for Ohio State? Yeah, yeah. The, the the only point that I have to make about this though is that remember how you and I like freaked out about the USC stuff last year, or you and I were freaking out about whether oh, Texas A and M should be four. I, I correct you freaked out, out that they Texas A and M should be four in, in the middle of the year. Um, and it's just like all those debates though, and the funny memories and the freakouts kind of go away, and I will miss that. We'll get better matchups, but they go away because it's just like there was nothing last year with Texas A and M. There was literally nothing to talk about. If in this I'm current okay scenario we wouldn't be we wouldn't be talking about it. They're in. We'll I'm see okay what happens. I'm okay with that because because we will have incremental things to talk about, like Texas A and M and Notre Dame. Now, in this case, neither one of those is getting a buy, but we will have debates over who should get a buy. You know, because the the fourth best conference champ and the fifth best conference champ may be very close together. We will have debates over who should get a home game. You know, the number eight and number nine team may be very close together. So there's still subjectivity. There's still debate. It's just incrementally different. How are you on uh, Tuesday nights uh, during the playoff reveal? Are you like in front of the TV, ready to watch, excited? Or is it just like we know? I am because I have to record a podcast. But that, I, I, I but enjoy watching it, it because I, I like a, to see, like we try to, if this wasn't my job, behavior. I wouldn't watch it. I would, I would look on Twitter and see what it was and then think nothing of it the rest of the day. Really? 
I mean, I think people watch this like it's almost like something to look forward to, especially if your team is on the cusp of it. And it's just like, what's the committee going to do? We talk at, 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 at nauseum about what their previous uh, actions could mean for the future and all the things that but with, with, you know, think about with how much four, playoff content matter. there is during a season. Yeah. But with four, that didn't matter except to a few teams. I mean, Jack Swarbrick put it really well when they had that teleconference, they did the numbers. Nobody had gone from higher than, or from lower than seven up to number four. You know, so from the, the reveal of the first rankings to the final rankings, Nobody had gotten into the four from lower down than seven. So essentially, if you were number eight or lower when that first one came out, your season was over in terms of the national title. I wonder what Texas A&M, I can't remember. I'll have to go look this up. But what was Texas A&M's first playoff ranking last year? I'd love to know what the ratings of the college football playoff show were uh, in in College Station, Texas, and Houston, and in Dallas. Because to them, it's like, that was a And I'll look it up. I mean, I just like... You think about AM and wanting to make the playoff for the first time last year and only losing one game to Alabama and all the things that were happening, like the intrigue of like, what's the committee going to do? And I know this is a pandemic, but the, what's the committee going to do with Ohio State who only played five or six games? What, what was Texas A&M in the first ranking last yeah. year? They were number five. Okay. But still. <laughs> but, but Remember, still. They, had, they had beaten Florida, and Florida was number six. So okay. you, couldn't, you couldn't have them very low. Despite what, yeah, what I, I, happened I against Alabama. what weeks uh, teams play which, but I still think that the college football playoff show every week was must-watch television for every A&M fan on the face of the earth. For every A&M fan, but not for every, okay, Northwestern started number what eight. about every Cincinnati fan? No, because they, they, they never had a chance. For the first few time, first few reveals, that was like the major talking point. What are we going to do with Cincinnati? Yeah, but the what history are we gonna do with said Coastal? they would... They, the history no, said they wouldn't do it. So, but every every Oklahoma fan didn't care. They started at number eleven. They were six and two at the time. Uh, you could have every made a Indiana case last year fan, Oklahoma deserved a spot at a certain point at the end. Yeah, I think like every they, Indiana fan didn't care. Every BYU fan didn't care, and I think BYU fans probably still don't care. If I'm BYU, by the way, I'm calling Craig Thompson, apologizing for everything bad they ever said about the Mountain West, and begging to get back in. Also, you you have to take into account that college football is a sport, I think, more, more so than any other sport where general fans like an Indiana fan or a, a BYU fan or an Oklahoma fan is has general interest, intense interest in games and teams and the results of the sport that don't directly impact their favorite team. So like just because an Indiana fan doesn't believe that their team is going to make the playoff one year, I still think that there is general interest from them to say, hey, what are they going to do with, with my but sport how much, this year? How much more interest would there have been for those college football rankings reveals last year from Oklahoma fans, from Georgia fans, from Miami fans, from Indiana fans, from Oregon fans, from Wisconsin fans, from all, all of those people are suddenly engaged now. Because basically, if you're but it's in the a top seeding show. It's a seeding show. You have show. a chance. Yeah. It's not a. It's not a playoff show. It's a seeding show. Yes, correct. Which but, is is which is that takes a little layer off of, of it. Well, no, but the variability of who's in because we're worried about four spots. Who's in now? The variability of who's in is is so we're pretty sure that six teams are in. 
but we're still worried about those other six spots. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like, so who do you think, who do you think is the biggest winner on all this? I think the biggest winners are probably, uh, well, Georgia is the biggest winner. Georgia is the biggest winner because Georgia, which is from a pure talent standpoint on par with Clemson, Ohio state and Alabama is in most years now that, that, makes a huge difference for them. They don't have to get past Alabama to get in. I think the biggest winners are Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Georgia. But they were already the biggest winners, so that's fine. They get to keep winning. Good for them. Yeah, because like they're never not going to make it now. But the thing is, Georgia, it changes something for Georgia. It doesn't change anything for the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, like, so like that, I said, that like makes I said, them like bigger winners. Teams eight through twenty are the biggest winners here, and then I guess well, the exactly. group of five. Yeah, if, if we're talking programs that that now it probably exist on a different plane, and obviously this can change the the membership of this list can change depending on how your fortunes rise or fall. But Texas A and M, Penn State, Wisconsin, Florida, programs like that that would that would make this thing. Much more frequently. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you look at like two last year's rankings of who was on the cusp, like North Carolina, Northwestern, Indiana, BYU, USC, the, the Pac-12 championship game would have been a play-in game. Um, Miami. I mean, there were a lot of teams that had three or less losses last year. The entire top 25 had three or less. So, you know, there is more of a discussion of, which teams are going to make it, but it's just like as an NC state team who went eight and three in the ACC last year, more engaged. Absolutely. Um, we're also going to start having to pay a lot closer attention to the group of five. Absolutely. Cause like and Louisiana last year this, was an awesome team for the group of five yeah. and they, yeah. they were they 19. It's just like, I can't wait yeah. to uh, debate whether or not that they should have been higher in the rankings and stuff. So I guess so, but it's just like the, the debate is going to be more t- uh, about the teams that like, we're going to be debating about North Carolina, Northwestern, Iowa, and Louisiana now, not Oklahoma, Texas A&M and Florida. Well, but we, but we might be ranking debating Oklahoma, Texas A&M and Florida, depending on where they are. I mean, if, if they're around number nine or number 10, we're going to be debating them. So that's, that's the part you're, you're leaving out. There are going to be years where those teams are so good that they're in, but there's going to be other superpower name brand teams like Auburn is frequently going to be a topic of debate. USC is frequently going to be a topic of debate. Texas is frequently going to be a topic of debate. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's interesting. When's the last time we talked about Texas in relation to any of this stuff? Yeah. And the, the good thing too, is that hopefully this, and not that this wasn't already happening with the, with the playoff, but the four-team playoff, but the manifestation of potentially wanting to schedule tougher opponents now, you don't feel like you're you're putting yourself in a heavyweight fight in September that's going to determine whether you can win a national championship. And then we're going to get better games earlier in the year, too, as a result of this because you can um, you know, survive a loss against those teams while also trying to, to build your resume. And there's a lot to gain by playing better teams when you have the power to schedule them than there was you know, five, ten years ago. I just looked this up because I was curious. I'd, last year, you know, pandemic year, weird schedules, so it's 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 hard to compare. But so 2019, the first CFP ranking. I wanted to see 
who had the most losses of any team in the top 25 of the CFP rankings? There was one team with three losses. That was Oklahoma State at number 23. Everybody else had two or fewer. I'm pretty sure, given those circumstances, that everybody there has a, has a chance to make the 12-team field come December. So if you are in the top 25 of that first CFP ranking, you have a chance. You're locked in. And that's yeah. what makes this more interesting. Yeah. Can I switch gears on you for a second? Sure. Um, so I think that we might have kind of disagreed. I don't know. Maybe we didn't. But you you tell me about what you think this is going to mean in terms of the top heaviness of the, of the sport. Do you think that the there seems to be this general thought and, you know, talking, I was talking to Gary Patterson for a story, for the state of the program, mm -hmm. TCU story I was doing, and we got into a discussion about the expanded playoff, and he he brought up the 2014 inaugural playoff and how TCU and was left out, and I guess to a certain extent Baylor was also, and he believes well, that... Well, Baylor the, was the actual conference was the actual because they beat yeah. TCU on the field, but whatever. Right. Yeah, well, he feels like his team was good enough to make it and, you know, predict... predict uh, why he might think that, but you know, they were a really good football team that year, but he thinks too, that the lopsidedness of the recruiting rankings mirror the teams that are already making it every year because they can use that as a sales pitch. How much do you believe that the added exposure to let's say the Indianas of the world or the Iowa States or the coastal Carolinas, or even the Cincinnati's the teams that would have made it last year are going to have from this. Do you think this is going to make, make a change at all? Do you think it's going to be a major change, a small change? It, like, it is not as big as as Gary Patterson or Pat Kraft think it is from a recruiting standpoint. It is not suddenly like if you're TCU and you can and you've made the playoff twice, which I think they would have made a playoff twice had this been in effect the whole time. If you're TCU, it doesn't suddenly mean you're going to get better players than than Oklahoma or Georgia or Alabama. Like you might get, it might get you one guy. It might get you two guys. But the different the thing about this is. If TCU gets one or two guys, if Boston College gets one guy, if you know Indiana gets one guy, that's still one less for for the the super mega powers. But the super mega powers are still going to be more talented and still probably prohibitively more talented. I don't think this changes that because it's still about how do you get me to the pros? How many first rounders do you make? And and let's be honest, Alabama and Ohio State can say we make first rounders better than anybody else. So of course those guys are still going to want to go there. Yeah, because like my your your thing on the the gap blitz, um, you previewed, but mine is how do you change that if you're a middle tier program? And I just like want to know what what your hypothesis is if you are. Uh, Iowa or Penn State. Well, maybe Penn State's not a good one. But the hardest thing to do, I think, is go from middle tier 25 to to, to 8 now, and become here, Clemson. Here's, here's what do what you I, do? I, I think I agree with you, Ari, but I want to see this work in practice because the Penn States, the Floridas, the, the teams that have not made the 14 playoff but would make the 12-team playoff very frequently and are – 
from a resource standpoint, very similar to the to the superpower teams. Do they start getting two or three guys that those other teams would have normally gotten? Because that seems more feasible. But what changes than them going to in Indiana or, or Iowa State? Head? What changes in their heads that hey, I can go to Ohio State or Penn State? I'm going to go to Penn State closer now to home. Maybe I get on the field faster. I don't know, but don't those exist now? They exist now, but you can't play for the national title. So it's one more thing. And like we said, we that that thing is much lower. You say it's fifth. I, I think it's probably second or third, but it doesn't matter because one, where how are you going to prepare for the draft is so much higher than anything else. I'm going to rank them. Number one, the one mm-hmm. and only prepare for the NFL yep. draft. Yes. Two, correct. proximity to home. Okay, well, proximity to home is something that changes. Last I checked, the state of Florida had some pretty good players in it. A lot of the best ones go to Alabama now. Yeah, sure. Are they going to drive past Gainesville and Tallahassee? Sure, they they do now. Why wouldn't they then? Because maybe they have a chance to to be a first-rounder and make the playoff. I mean, did not Florida have two first-rounders this year? Yeah, no, I know, but like I, I don't know that... I believe that Penn State, Florida, and the teams that are in that second tier don't have we can make a playoff as part of their sales pitch because all those teams. But they can't have been prove in, it because they've never made it. I know, but they they can they in theory, if they get good with your talent, could get over the hump and make it. Like I don't think that I ever theory, think Penn State can make and, it. Theory and practice are two different things. I mean, the, the number one sales pitch of all these places Proof is of concept matters. don't go, don't go be another cog in the machine. Come be the main piece of our machine. And the difference is they'll though, make a statue if, if they here actually and if, play each other in the playoff, and especially if they're competitive against those teams in the playoff, then, then you can really say, you see this game. If we had you, we win. How can they not say, how could Penn state not say that they went two years in a row they won one and then lost by one two years after. I mean, Penn State has been a thorn in Ohio State's side for the last seven years. They don't have the banner. Now, they do have a Big Ten championship banner. You think the banner really matters have the, that we much? We made the playoff banner from that Do you think the banner either? really matters that much? I think I, I doubt. I think it helps. I, I'm, I'm doubting it a little bit. I'm not saying that it's not a special thing for fans to have. If we make the play, making the playoff feel in college football the way that making the Sweet 16 or the Final Four does in college basketball, like I'm all for it. I just don't know that a 16 to 17 year old kid who comes through the facility is going to be swayed all that much by having made but it at if, 12 if, than if they are saying, right now. If he's saying draft matters, but proximity to home matters, give me something else to sway me to go to you instead of Ohio State or Alabama. That might be the something else. I'm not saying it, it definitely happens. I don't know if it happens or not. I have a different recruiting question for you, though, Ari, and I think this is a much different choice. If you are being recruited by UCF and Arkansas, right. or you're being recruited by Cincinnati and Purdue, where are you going? Well, I think Cincinnati's winning those battles already. Um, Correct. I, I think that... But now it's not even close, right? It's... The question I think rephrased is what's a more prestigious scholarship? Uh, Memphis, Cincinnati, UCF, and 
you know, all the group of five teams that have a chance to go undefeated SMU, I think just one big <laughs> this week. Um, and it's like, that's the thing. It's like, is SMU going to lose kids to Baylor now? You know, like the teams that have a chance to win most of their games and all their games or be that group of five or a lower ba- tier Baylor would have made the playoff twice, team. by the way. Had had this been in effect, so yeah, that was that just the example the that example. came up because it's also in Texas. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I'm not in like the Big Twelve. I'm assuming is the second conference that had the most potential to get guys guys into the playoff than the Pac-12, right? Just off the top of my head, well, the, the in Pac- terms of the, the, Pac- the musical really chairs of who's because, good. Yeah, the the Pac-12 was really interesting because uh, they would have only gotten nine teams in. They would have been the lowest of the Power Five leagues in terms of how many teams they would have gotten into the playoff. But they would have gotten six of their 12 teams into the playoffs. So, so half their league would have made the playoff in the past seven years under this, this right. proposal, which is, I mean, Arizona and Colorado would have made the playoff. Good for them, huh? Go Cats, right? <laughs> I, uh, but now I just wonder, like, if Josh Heupel's doing okay. Right. Is, is he in a better place now than he was? I think he took a I'm worse job sure. now. It, it, it's tough. Now you can make Tennessee into one of those teams that competes for spots, you know, five through twelve. You can you can Who turn an easier path that. to the playoff. You UCF or UCF. Tennessee. UCF. It's not even a right debate. Now. And it's it, which is crazy, crazy. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Some of these group of five teams, I, I know that that before we as fans, I guess, uh, have collectively looked at that those teams as like subpar, but those teams are super talented and really fun to watch. And I think if you add more, like last year, I wrote a story about a top 100 prospect who went to SMU at quarterback, Preston Stone. 
and maybe he'll be the starter for SMU this year as a true freshman. But it's like it was such a foreign thing for a Dallas area prospect who had offers from everybody to pick SMU over those other big time programs. And I was fascinated. Like, why would somebody this talented want to go to a program that has no chance to compete for a national championship? Um, and of course, you know, being in that pass happy Sonny Dykes offense is super, super attractive and being close to home is super attractive, but I cannot believe that he didn't want to go play somewhere in a power five conference uh, that would put him in a position where if he is great, he could elevate them into competing at the highest level. And it's just like now SMU is probably better situated um, to make a playoff than 60% of the power five. I would, like I the would table, say so. The tables for some of these group of five schools just turned so dramatically that they're also like now it's just SMU's offer means more than most other offers. Well, let me, let me give you an And I wonder if SMU can recruit better nationally now because of this. Yeah. If, if you're talking about the same proposal being used since the playoff was created, UCF would have made it twice. Cincinnati would have made it once. Memphis would have made it once. Houston would have made it once. That's just the American. Dude, Houston is one of the best jobs in college football now. Well, and, and Dana Holgerson is getting paid like a Power 5 coach, and he has a Power 5 staff allowance, essentially. It's like, if you could ask Tom Herman, and, and, and listen, I know being the head coach of Texas is better than being the head coach of Houston, but I'm just saying, like, if we we ranked jobs, being the Houston coach at a place that has a ton of resources in that city, a team that can accumulate talent and be more more talented most years than most other programs in their conference and can be the 12th best team in college football or better. Like I think that the, the pressure involved of being that coach doesn't quite rise to the same level as being like, you can get paid a ton of money at Houston. You have access to great players. You can make the college football playoff and hang a banner. And you also don't have to deal with all the stuff that comes with being Texas head coach. You could make the case that a certain coach would rather be the head coach at Houston than Texas right now. And it's like, who has an easier path to the playoff in the next three years, Texas or Houston? Well, if you, probably Texas, because yeah, once this, yeah, yeah, I, I still think Texas has an easy path if they get going the way they should. Yeah, because they should. Yeah, if you can be the second or third best team in the Big Twelve, you can make the playoff. So that that should be Texas most years, and I mean that they they should be one of the big winners of this. They have to. But they have to do it. That's the thing. If you go back through the, the first seven years using the 12-team one, Texas still doesn't make it. So it's kind of on them to get that part fixed. Yeah. It's just like talking to you and out with you, though, just, just changes your perspective a little bit of just how much has changed for that select group. Like UCF right now is a major oh, Gus Malzahn is a happy, happy coach today. Do you think about being Gus Malzahn? Like all the stuff that he had to go through as Auburn's coach, having to be compared directly to and having to beat on the field Alabama, and he did such a he did such an unbelievably amazing job in hindsight with how many games he did win there. It's like now he can make it to a place that Auburn has had a hard time making it to in a far less competitive conference at a program that has far more resources than everybody he's competing against, and then still get to the the end of the road where where he could have gotten at Auburn. That is insanity. 
It, it, that, I love that's that like Grinch changes. smile you just gave me too. That, well, that, that, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy because this was the point. This was the point. The point is to get more people involved. And, you know, I think that the, the commissioners that, that talked on Thursday used the word participation, which is kind of lo- of lo- a loaded word these days. Shouldn't have used that word, you know, I don't think. Participation. Inclusivity, which I guess is another loaded is word. word. But I think it's the accurate word here. It's it's there are more programs that will feel included now, which is good for the sport. It's good for the the players playing. It's good for the coaches coaching. It's good for the 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 fans. It's good for the the finances of it. Everybody, the, it's the rising tide that floats all boats. You want more people engaged. You know, if you want to have a truly national sport, which is what making it a national sport is what made all this money in the first place. If you want it to not turn back into a regionalized sport, you have to figure out a way to make everybody in the country feel included. And I think they're making a lot more people feel included with this. Could you imagine if Luke Fickle took the Michigan State job? Oh, he would be so mad right now. Do you think Josh Heupel is sad? No, no, because every every other Friday things are are really fun for Josh Heupel. Yeah, every every other Friday is amazing for Josh. Heupel. And here here is the thing, Ari. I know you you think Tennessee. I think you think Tennessee is a lost cause. I don't. I think it will be very difficult because of you know the NCA investigation and and what may come down the pipe, but. I don't think that's a permanent situation. When we rank they jobs, lo- I put them like number 10 in the SEC. Yeah, they, they're I, located I in a place a- where you can be, you can become the second or third best team in the SEC East, which in some years is going to make the playoff. Yeah. No, I know. It, it. It's not so much. It's just all the things that are happening at Tennessee right now. I don't think that Tennessee right. can't but be don't, good. Don't be a prisoner don't, of the don't moment. Misunderst- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't be-, be a prisoner of the moment on that. I'm just saying, you know, in the in the current situation right now, it's just a lot to deal with. And, like, I will have so much respect for Hypo if he makes it through this. Because go look at who Tennessee's recruiting against right now. It's not pretty. Oh, it's it's tough. It's it's very tough. But, look, they they are – they are going to have to earn their way back. But if they can, if they can be like, if Tennessee is where it was in the early nineties, Tennessee would be a playoff team basically every year. Now I don't know if that's possible in today's sec, but if you are Tennessee, if you are Auburn, if you are, you know, even like Ole Miss, like Ole Miss would have made the playoff. Mississippi State would have made the playoff. Yeah, we're rewarding teams that were rewarding the Indianas of the world of the 2020 yes. season. The teams that most years probably won't make it, but when they actually have a great year or when they put together a team, um, you know, the Michigan States that have been super solid over the last 10 years at certain times that had great years. Um, and Michigan State made it. Maybe that's not a great example. But teams that are really, really good but not elite are the ones that are benefiting the most from this. The, the difference now is that Michigan State team, which probably would have been the four seed in 2015, 
probably doesn't get smoked in the first round. Well, they get a bye, so they might get they might have gotten smoked by whoever they played. But uh, you know, they, they end up playing the winner of the five twelve game. So let's uh, who is that? Is that that's not Ohio State? So that's good because uh, I think they would have they would have been out for for blood, out for revenge. So in two thousand fifteen, Michigan State was actually the three seed. They would have played the winner of the TCU Stanford game. Michigan State doesn't get smoked by either of those teams. That's a pretty fun game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And listen, any anybody who followed my my tweets last year would have known that I would have loved to see the Ohio State AM game last year. You know, oh. it's gonna create they're gonna create if or assuming no, or Notre Dame AM. Notre Dame at Texas AM or I'm sorry, uh, Texas AM at Notre Dame, which, you know, that's what it should be if if like Let's say Texas A&M won the 5-12 game. The, the quarter should be on campus at Notre Dame, and A&M should go to Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, just thinking of an that? SEC team like, Notre, like A&M on Notre Dame's campus is just awesome. It's just Absolutely. awesome. I mean, yeah, I've I've, covered, I covered a Tennessee-Notre Dame game my second year out of college, and it was, it was amazing. It was so much fun. The Tennessee fans who made the trip had a blast. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, no, this is awesome. I think it's the thing I'm very excited to see now because you got me on this group of five thing is that whether or not moving forward that these group of five teams can, you know, get even better prospects than they have before. Because I think that that their recruiting might be the most improved based on this. Um, Because, again, I don't think Penn State can sell the playoff any more than they already can. But like SMU certainly can. Um, And but will a group of five team ever advance to the final four? Because that would be the most that would be the most amazing thing to show how the last seven years was like that sucks that they never were really truly included in the discussion. I I think it it would be hard because one of the things that they've taken away in the NCAA tournament when you get that like Florida Gulf Coast going to the Sweet Sixteen, sometimes it takes. Well, actually, that's a bad example because they they beat the higher seed both times. But sometimes you get an upset. You get double upsets in the first round, and then the two teams that upset teams play against each other. So a team that normally wouldn't have gotten through does get through. This time you're playing into a team that has a bye that's a top four team. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough, yeah. But uh, that said, you know, let's say Cincinnati played Georgia last year and beat them. That's which they almost a, did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so they would have had to play. They would have had to play Alabama, which would have been tough. But if they're if they're in a different spot in the bracket, you know, like imagine if Cincinnati had been seated lower, and they were they were going to play Notre Dame, which by the way, that's a regular season game this year. That would that would have been a pretty interesting game, if you ask yeah. me. Yeah, I agree. No, with you. I, Notre Dame's a bad example either. I, I just I just realized I got to get used to these new rules too. Notre Dame can't be a top four seed. I just, okay. I just, I just had that scenario where where A and M goes to Notre Dame and Notre Dame had a bye. That's not that can't happen. Notre Dame has yeah. to be five through twelve. So I guess I'll take this alternative over, uh, you know, having to be undefeated. I guess I'll I'll take it all. It's it is this is going to be interesting. I you know until probably a few months ago when when some folks let me know that twelve teams was on the table, I would have not thought this was possible. 
I'm I'm a, I'm still a little shocked that they made as many compromises as they did. Uh, the elegance of some of the solutions that they came came up with for various issues, I, I'm very impressed by, and I just I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Other than other than the quarterfinals and bowls thing, which is stupid and terrible, I'm pleasantly surprised by everything else. Yeah, no, I think it's a win. I, I don't know. Are there a lot of people out there that don't love this? The thirteen percent. You know, we had that that reader. Well, survey. those people that didn't. I, I feel like people. Or it's easier for somebody to say they don't like something before it happens. But then once it does, you have to accept that reality and then you come around to it naturally. It's easy to yell in theory, if this were to happen, I wouldn't like this or that. But then once it no, does. There's still, there still will be people who don't like it because they're just people who hate fun. Like there are who, who doesn't who like it though? Go, but like why? The people what's who the argument? Go back though? to the old bowl system. Like the 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 pre the pre BCS system. The, there are people who really want think that would be good. They're insane. They they don't realize how boring and stupid and and just. Uh, I guess there are some people who wish that there were still landlines. Yes, as our main. Yeah. I mean that's the yeah. thing. You just have to accept the fact that there is a certain percentage of the population that cannot handle the world moving forward, and we that's fine. <laughs> you know, you just sort of let those people go by the wayside because. They, they can't handle it. It is interesting that there are certain people who pick a point in time and then stay there forever. But I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I think it's human nature. I think a lot of people do that at a certain point in their life. And it, I just think it's some, it, it happens by degrees. Like some people just do it with music. Some people do it with the entire world. And those yeah. people can't function. Well, hip hop is becoming extinct. I'm doing it with music. <laughs> the SoundCloud era has not been good to you, Ari. Well, I mean, there's some good stuff on SoundCloud, but you know, the stuff that we grew up listening to, they just don't make it anymore. Really, there's only a few. Um, Listen to you, old man. He he gets his first house. He spends his whole check at Home Depot every day now, and all of a oh sudden, God. no current music is good enough for him. I'm sitting in my bedroom right now, so the acoustics are the best, and I'm looking through the glass door that looks out into the into the backyard, and I see grass I have to mow, and the level of anxiety running through my veins right now is off the charts. I've never done any of this stuff. I've never, I mean, I went to Home Depot twice in my entire life, and now I've been there like 10 times in two weeks, and I hate it there. You know, oh, the, see, the employees you, at you, Home Depot you learn are to love it. I used to when when my parents used to drag me to Home Depot when I was a kid, I hated it so much. But now every time I go, I'm like, ooh, I could use that. Ooh, ooh we could do we could do something with this. So, dude, when I walk into Home Depot, I don't know what 90 percent of the stuff even is. Ah, but but see, that's the beauty of it. As as you continue with home ownership, you'll go, how do we solve this problem? And by like, hiring somebody this to is fix an unsolvable it. That's how we problem. solve it. And, and, and then, you will, then you will find out that Home Depot has a thing that will solve it that you can go buy right now. That sounds awful. That is, <laughs> that is the world. Now, for, for those who are listening, Ari was not raised like Veal. He wasn't one of those pampered little princes who, who wasn't forced to mow the lawn. He grew up in Arizona where there was no lawn to mow. We had rocks. That's the best thing about <laughs> owning it, a home in Arizona. They escaping now, Ari. Yeah, the uh, there's nothing to do when you own, you know, you, you there's no inclement weather. There's no uh, leaves to rake. There's no lawns to mow. And it actually looks pretty. You want to know 
the number one thing that's beautiful. You know, and I, I actually considered doing this until I found out. I, I uh, Were you going to plant a saguaro cactus in your yard? No, I was going to astroturf our backyard. And then I found oh, out oh. it was like $35,000. It's extremely just like, expensive. Yeah, I didn't realize how expensive it was. We, but astroturf, I think, looks looks great or the field turf yeah. or whatever the, whatever they use on it's green it doesn't it doesn't grow don't, you don't have to do anything and it's pretty to look at and like in I don't arizona think they use the rubber pellets like they do with field turf because no they, they don't, don't want your dog peeing on the rubber pellets but <laughs> so i mentioned the pool project we're gonna have very limited space for grass in the backyard the backyard's all grass right now we're gonna have very limited space for grass in the backyard after that's done guess what we're putting in AstroTurf. Hell yeah. You going to put can't golf holes wait. in there? You going to put golf holes? Um, I, I might have thought about it a little bit. You know what I don't understand? And listen, here as I'm growing up, I'm learning how expensive everything is. Like I used to live in an apartment and I used to live in a townhouse and everything is expensive. But the thing I'll never understand is if you want to get AstroTurf because I priced it, it's X number of dollars. But if you want to make it a putting green, it's like twice as much. And I'm trying to figure out hmm. what the difference is. Like, is it cost that much money for the holes? Is the turf different? Like, why? It's it, it's probably that the turf is different, and it's probably that the base layer is different. The base layer has to be much more solid and, and much more uniform. Base layer is what you're paying for oh, yeah, base when layer. you put in AstroTurf. That, like, I've done a couple paver patios, and... Just getting that base to be high enough, thick enough, and even enough is a pain in the butt. And I'm assuming I've, – I've done a little bit of research into the, the artificial turf already, but that seems to be the, the main part of the expense. Now, I will tell you this, and this is what, what got me thinking about doing the, the artificial turf. Yes, the upfront cost is higher. And I'm not doing a whole backyard where it's like thirty five grand. It's not even going to be close to that. But the the maintenance cost is much lower. If you've ever had to deal with a sprinkler system, I had to have my sprinkler system rerouted this year. And uh, I've put in a sprinkler system before. I don't recommend that <laughs> to, to anybody. And I'm very clumsy and messy, and, and I didn't want to be digging into my yard. So I hired people who knew what they were doing to fix my sprinkler system. But I don't have to have a sprinkler system in the backyard if I have artificial turf. So that's that's one less expense. Uh, that It's less watering. That's less expense. So over the long term, it evens out. I'm going to use that. Thank you. You're gonna, How many oh, years? You're gonna tell the, the fiance that? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's she'll she'll uh, look at me like I'm an idiot. But I, I want a pool, and I found out how much that is, and I my my face melted off. And we bought a Give couch, it a few and years, I found out it won't be that much anymore. It, it the, the the pools are expensive right now because the materials cost is very high. It will go down. And also, I think the demand because of COVID is probably way high too because people aren't leaving their house or weren't leaving their house as much. But I found out how much a couch costs and. Uh, nightstands and lawnmowers and all the things that I never would have had to buy in my previous life. And I don't know how people live. You had to buy couches before you just had crappy no. couches. Now you yeah, have to have no, a good couch because you, you you're going to have a wife who a, demands it. 
you can't put a couch in a, a new house that got off the curb like you did in college. Like it's it's a little bit different. And like I found out it too, was, it's just it like wasn't even on the curb. It was next to the dumpster. <laughs> even even the crappiest couches that aren't comfortable are still two grand. I know it's it is it is quite a quite a get what you pay for kind of item, and it's tough because you still need to know. You still need to. I feel like you got to sit on it first. I don't really want to buy a couch I haven't sat on. But even if you sit on it, it doesn't feel the way it's going to feel eventually because either it's a new on-the-floor model that's still stiff or so many people have sat on it that it's softer than yours is going to be, and that drives me crazy. And, like, I don't know how much uh, framing costs. Like, we framed some pictures. My fiancé took some. Oh, yeah. No, no. You you need to do your own framing. Don't let other people do it. It's still expensive. That's a ridiculous expense. Yeah, it is. You got to buy mats. The glass is is more expensive. Yeah, yeah. So we took out a bunch of pictures I took from stadiums and we framed them nicely in the office. That was for three hundred bucks or whatever it was. Every single thing I wish would just be like, yeah, that's twenty bucks. There, there's not one do, thing. Do you that's already cheap. have soft close hinges on your cabinets? Yes, that was like a must while Good. we were looking through it. Yeah. Good, because that that that'll save you a few hundred bucks right there. Because I I replaced my hinges recently with with soft. You mean when you hinges. shut it when you shut it it like catches it and then closes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, we have that. Yeah, and we our drawers already had it, but we had redone the kitchen in the old house, and the the new kitchen had soft close hinges, and I got addicted to them. And I came over here, and the the doors are just slamming, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't do this. I can't have my doors <laughs> what slamming. This? What is this anarchy? Yeah, no, I, so I just uh, for the yeah. for the hinges with the just a little tiny extra piece of plastic in them, it was like three hundred bucks to do the whole you know do all the all the cabinets in the house. Bro, do you know how expensive towels are? <laughs> you got to buy your towels at TJ Maxx, homie. Dude, we got our I don't know. I guess we got our they're, they're nice soft towels. We got them at Bed Bath and Beyond. I'm embarrassed to admit how much we paid. I hope for these you towels. had a coupon. We always have the coupon. Come on. You should who, never who buy a Bed Bath Beyond without the coupon. Yeah. I'm surprised that they don't just have the coupons at the register to just scan for everybody. If you go oh, into Bed Bath and Beyond and why pay would they give you twenty percent off if they don't have to? Because everything in their store is inflated twenty percent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So there's going to be some sap who comes in who doesn't have the coupon and pays the like, whole boat. I'm just like going through all the things that I bought when we moved here, and everything is far more expensive than I thought it was going to be. Yes, and I'm not even talking the, about the baby stuff. Wonder, yeah, what, welcome to the wonderful world of home ownership. It's it, it's going to be this way. For the rest of your life. Also, I put the crib together uh, on Saturday. You would have loved to see how big of a disaster that was. I would have. It, I would have paid to see video of this. Now there was screaming. Have, there was there was people putting. Do you have Do you have a screwdriver set that has hex drivers, or were you using the Allen wrench that came? I used the it? Allen wrench. You're in. See, okay. I need to send you a housewarming gift. I here here your two cho- I'm going to give you two choices and either one is useful. I didn't know that one was that be, existed. Okay. So, yes, your it, you, your typical screwdriver set will have multiple Phillips heads. I have a screwdriver set and I, maybe it has that and I just didn't I didn't but, even think to look. We'll also have yeah, they will have hex heads and those fit into the the screws that and you it would have just been able Allen to go like this on. Yes, exactly. Because oh, the so, Allen wrench was falling out of my hands. We put so the, the legs on the wrong of, side multiple times. The level of torque that you are missing out on oh, is incredible. So, do you need the screwdriver set with the hex heads, 
or do you need vice grip pliers? Because the, the last housewarming gift I sent a friend, I, I sent the three pack of different size vice grip pliers. And that is, that's a godsend. If you don't have those, you're, you're not a homeowner. I have, um, I think I have, I'll have to check. Cause there's like a tool, there's tools in the, in the, I'm just not a tool person. Also, you know, what's super expensive tools. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I, so listeners, if you've gotten this far in the episode, first of all, we love you so much. Thank, Thank you, you for, for, putting for up hanging with, us. with us. Uh, please leave a review and, and mention how much Ari is a tool who, who hates tools. Uh, but also hit us up on Twitter. We need a list of the tools Ari needs to acquire in his first year as a homeowner. Because I have I have a small I, tool set long, that I got at IKEA. Been, That's what I've got. You got a tool set at IKEA? This is not yeah. this will not stand. <laughs> we we gotta we gotta get you hooked up. So yeah, I paid somebody been, to, to mount the TVs. I mean, I'm just not this isn't my you world. You paid man. somebody to mount your TVs? I would rather walk into oncoming traffic than mount a TV myself. Mounting TVs is the easiest thing in the world. As long as you've got a stud finder, you're good. Do you have a stud finder? I have one, yeah, but I don't know how to use it. Does it have a laser level, too? I think. I don't know what that means. You don't know what a laser level is. I can't put it up because I, the anxiety of me feeling like I did it wrong and the TV falling as to the ground would drive me crazy. As long as you find the crazy. studs, there's no anxiety whatsoever. TV mounts are the easiest thing in the world. You're, you're talking you to somebody who can't studs. even hang pictures on the wall. Like you, you yeah, have to like, you, this you is what I, this isn't my screw it into the studs and then you can slide the TV along the horizontal axis to, to put it where it needs to be. Yeah, no, that sounds awful. <laughs> okay. So should, all right, we'll, we'll put this out to the listeners. Do I need to buy Ari a screwdriver set, a set of ice grip pliers or a laser level? As his housewarming present. The listeners. I'm, I'm warning will you tell not us. to waste your money because I'm not going to use any of that stuff. I can't believe you pay to have people hang your television. <laughs> yeah, well, like four of them throughout the house. Oh my God. You could have knocked that out in two hours. Oh, I mean, you don't know who you're talking how to. Did, I've, how much did you pay for that? The person came over and hung four TVs. One was 77 inches, so it was pretty heavy. And it was into like no, marble. No, it's not. There it is no heavy. TV made today that is heavy. It was hard to mount the thing because it was it was like mounted as high as I am because it's a really tall wall. And it was into a tile or marble Do you want or a ladder, something. Ari? Do we, or should we add a ladder to my list we of We have things? a ladder because my uh, fiance is 411 and she needs them to reach the plates in the cabinet. How big's the ladder? It's pretty big. I mean, it's it's like, one of those things that folds. Do you have a ladder? Like you, could you cut down a net if you won the final four? No. You got you got to buy a real ladder, Ari. Come <laughs> on. It's a step ladder that folds. Oh my god. Oh my god. We have. Hey so man, much I've only been in this do. house for six weeks. Man, give me a break. But I paid. The person came over and he mounted four TVs. And he helped uh, hang a bunch of pictures in our house, like art and stuff. Wait, and you paid a person to hang? He was here? When, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Okay. I couldn't even hang a mirror in our closet. I, I freaked out. I put a hole in our wall, and I was just like, I can't do this. And I went back into the other room. And you realize drywall is very easily patched. Yeah. No, I know. I just, all this stuff is just, you know, you're not oh. paying to have somebody do the thing for you. You're having um, somebody come over and spare you of the aggravation. That's what I pay for. 
you're you're not rich enough to be spared the aggravation. I know, I know, I know. You, you, you got to make more 18, money before you're allowed to be spared aggravation. I'll pay. You need 18%, to be as aggravated as the rest of us. I'll pay you're a sports writer, damn it. You need to be aggravated. Yeah, no, I know. I need I need a lot of stuff. I need help. I think is the number one thing that we can get away from. All right, this, but well, let's put it out to the listeners. Do I? What do I need to get Ari for housewarming? Is it is it a screwdriver set? Is it vice grip pliers? Is it a full size ladder? Is it spackle? These are all things that he probably needs. Is it a laser level? Is it a stud finder slash laser level? Because that's probably what it would be. You tell me, and I will visit homedepot.com and, and, and make that happen. Or, hey, if there's a hardware store that wants to sponsor this podcast, we'd be happy to get it from you too. So you just let us know. We will talk to you later, and we will announce what Ari is getting as his housewarming present. Talk to you soon.